the dogs stay hot on the recruiting trail. Welcome into the DGD podcast. As always, Robert Reynolds, Kobe Pierce. Kobe, how, how's your uh, Thursday? What's going on, fellas? Juan in the chat, wherever you are. Juan, where's Juan, though? Already. Uh, we got already it Robin the gang was back for one. Now Juan's on the road again. Yeah. Maybe like a Willie we'll Nelson him, song. You know, like a Willie Nelson song. Maybe we'll find him sometime in June for some consistency. Hey, you know what? I mean, he's, he's a hard man to reach. All right. So not going to knock him too much, but you get what I mean. Uh, as listen, as in, um, obviously doing the show Thursday, not normal uh, with Wednesday. Uh, dogs staying hot. Kobe, that's three commitments this week. And I think, you know, ended yesterday. So you got three commits in three days. Um, that's really, impressive. That's really impressive. In the past 14 days, you had five. Yeah. Something like I mean, that. I mean, I think no, you Rayola, know, you're right. You had Raiola. You had Drew Miller. Yeah. And then Monday, right? I think we'll, so we'll start with Monday. You got three star tight end Colton Heinrich. Uh, then early Tuesday, you're looking at uh, Marcus. Excuse me, Harrison. Excuse me. Uh, that's a monster of a man. And then yesterday, uh, Jaden Riddell. It's just that now you've got two tight ends in three days. Uh, Todd Hartley is, you know, the uh, the Mountie. He just always he never he never misses his man. He always gets him. Always gets him. Uh, but I do want to kind of talk about that though, man. Um, what are, what are your initial thoughts on this hot streak, if you will? Yeah, I think it's really. Um just kind of getting getting the kind of the feeling going into the summer of like we're starting to slowly chip away at this class, which me and you've talked about on the podcast a couple times. You know, we knew when Dylan Rayola ever committed, whether it be here, whether it be Nebraska, whether it would have been USC, there are there are ripples, there are effects to that caliber of player committing to your to your team. And then with the way the scavenger hunt this past, the scavenger hunt went this past weekend, you know, a lot of these guys, I think all of these guys actually were present for the scavenger hunt. There's a lot of pressure applied by by your quarterback, your coaching staff, like, hey, either you hop on or you're getting left behind. And and not in a negative way, but just like, you know, a lot of people are wanting to play tight end at the University of Georgia. If you're if you're Riddell, if you're the guy from Monday. You know, you're wanting to be a part of this. You don't want to wait and say, hey, coach, you know, give me give me six more weeks and then I'll let me finish my visits and then I'll let you know. That's like we might have another tight end at that point. That's the risk you kind of take, um, you know, unless your name's Jeremiah Smith. Uh, we're not waiting around on much. And even even there, I think if Wingo commits, we won't wait until – National Signing Day on Jeremiah Smith either. That's just kind of how Kirby's been. I, I think if anything, you look at these three commitments, right, and that to me just drives the nail into the coffin saying that spots are filling up fast. Get on while you can. Train's about to leave the station. And if you ask, if your ass ain't there, I'm sorry for you, but, you know, we got to keep rolling. Uh, Georgia is, you know, Georgia recruiting is the train leaving the station. Uh, that's all I can say about that. Um, but I do want to kind of elaborate onto this Jaden uh, Riddell commitment. Uh, listen, I, I know you lose Landon Thomas, right? Which coming out of Colquitt County, uh, number one tight end, depending on where you look. Um, I think twenty four seven had him as the number one. But you, you know, you pick up Colton Heinrich, which I think Colton Heinrich is a solid pickup that a lot of people are probably going to sleep on. Um, but he definitely fits what George is looking for in the tight end room, and he'll have. I, I think he was a kind of a low-key necessity for this class. Um, you know, and if I had to really say it, I think you start to look at, like, his role could be something similar to, like, um, I don't know, would it be like a Rylan Goatee potentially where you can use utilize him, but he definitely can help come in and block and, and things like that. I think that's where John, you're going to see the benefit. I think uh, yeah, that's a perfect example too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but, I mean, listen, I, you have to understand, right, like, those guys, you know, I feel like, like I said, I feel like they go very, they get very overlooked, and that shouldn't be the case because 
you know, when you look at guys like John Fitzpatrick, you look at like a Rylan Goaty, those guys played a key role too, even if you didn't see them catching passes or, you know, not everybody can be a Brock Bowers, right? And you don't expect them to be that way. Um, overall, though, I, I really think that uh, that Heinrich uh, commitment was really solid uh, for what it's worth. Especially, I mean, if you watch that Jefferson workout, like Heinrich looked good catching passes from Raiola, like smooth in transition, things like that. But having the ability to put your hand down in the dirt is not always something you see from a high school tight end. So having the ability and comfort there as a as a high school um, prospect, excuse me, uh, I, I think that plays a big part in in his development moving forward because you know Todd Hartley's going to have him blocking. Uh, you know, and then as he uh, DGD Pat, we're going to go to the brigade for a second. Uh, hello there, Pat and Joe uh, J O G greets him. Fanatic Sports uh, Network, go dogs! Absolutely, go dogs! Um, but also, like I said, we're, we're kind of getting back to the tight end situation, right? So you get Colton Heinrich that Monday, but now you got Jaden Riddell. Jaden Riddell is the freak of this in this in this tight end class for Georgia. Um, there was, I think there was a video going around social media making some stupid plays in the 707, I think out in Vegas or something. Some of these catches are legit tough as shit to make. And, and he kind of just made it look easy. And then the and then the ability at 6'5", 230 to do a gainer, which is like running forward and you do a backflip, that's that's freaky, that's freaky athleticism from a tight end, you know. So Georgia got him another one. Todd Hartley just got him another freak. And it's crazy to see it with Brock Bowers on the on the team right now. Obviously, we know that I'm assuming Brock will be gone after the season. But, you know, it just shows you, like, if you come to Georgia, you know, like he said, tight ends are going to get utilized. And, they, and we know how to utilize them now. So it, it's nice to see those. What are your thoughts on the Riddell commitment? Yeah, I think, I think on both commitments, I think that the – Trey McKitty, John Fitzpatrick, both getting drafted, kind of shows you that, like, you don't have to be the guy catching the majority of the passes here in order for NFL teams to look at you and think that they can use you. I mean, even Darnell Washington at that point. You know, you can be the Brock Bowers here, or you can be someone else and still be an NFL caliber guy in the eyes of many NFL teams. You know, I think that's the biggest thing going forward. The more classes that we're going to start getting – a tight end or two that are top elite talents, you know, it may take you a year or two to bust through and be the guy, but don't think that just because you're having to wait your turn doesn't mean you're not, you know, impressing NFL scouts. And so I think that's the big yeah. thing about getting the two of them. And some people say, you know, Riddell, what's he looking at? You know, I'm, I've seen some Tennessee fans like, you know, it's a big depth chart in front of you. I mean, you still have Oscar Delp, you still have Lawson Lucky, still have Pierce Berlin. You know, it, it looks like it's a long road ahead. But I guess it's better to be here and be getting developed and, you know, getting that experience on how to block, how to run routes, how to help chip a defensive end than, you know, be somewhere else and maybe getting to play. But you're only getting to play because they have a lack of talent around you, not a plethora of talent around you. You know, I think another thing, though, man, is like just imagine how fast a position group can get depleted, right? Because in the world of the transfer portal, anything can happen. So, you know, just imagine I – mean, I'm not saying anything like this, but like what's – you know, there's a decent chance, right, at any time that you can have a guy or two leave a room, right? And then, and then all hell breaks loose because you're extremely thin. You have to go to a portal when something's not there. And you, your room suffers as a result, right? So you load up on this talent. Georgia also rotates, right? Like Georgia rotates tight ends. You're going to get run, right? Like if, if you if you go in there and you block and you do these things, you're going to get some you're going to get some playing time. I just see that happening. Um, so regardless, you do you get developed, like you said. Uh, next thing you know, you're sitting there, you know, you're sitting there blocking on and crucial downs, you know, and then making. Nasty catches like Brock Bowers. Not saying you are going to be Brock Bowers, but you get what well, I mean. Well, just like, just in general, like you're saying, being depleted. You look at the t at the room we had last year. You had six scholarship tight ends. I think as of right now, you have four. Well, one of them during the spring goes out, breaks collarbone. All of a sudden, you have three. 
for a whole season. And I mean, don't get me wrong, they're phenomenal. The three that we have are phenomenal, but that's just not a lot of depth at some point for for practice, for you know, things like that. Um, it, it always helps to have five, six guys uh, available. I mean, it's the same concept. As, I mean, to some degree, it's a different room. But, you know, think about the running back room, right? Like, when, when we looked at G-Day, right, you see the situation where you have Roderick Robinson as your only scholarship back. I think, well, Dejon ran, like, a couple runs, right? Like, that's about it. Very, very limited, though. You know, so you're down to one scholarship back. Now you look at it now, you're sitting there, you, you keep Savon Clark after he enters the portal. You bring in Laneth Whitehead from Tennessee. So you, you've loaded that room right now just as an insurance policy. Kirby Smart's going to do the same thing if needed to any room for that matter. Because, I mean, you think about it. So now the running back room, you bring in that depth from Laneth, right? So that's Laneth, Savon if you need them, right? Uh, you got Kendall, Dejon, Branson, Roderick, um, and Cash Jones, baby. Cash motherfucking Jones as well. Can't forget the Rainmaker. But no, I mean, so you I mean you bring in a loaded running back room, right? When like I said, G Day showed the, the depth concerns there. Kirby's if you need to, Kirby's gonna drop that in there and make that class like I, I just feel like if you can get him through recruiting high school level like that right there and not have to worry about the portal as much, that, I think that's the optimal route. Um but also, I'm not going to forget about this man, uh, 6 8, 330 range. Marcus Harrison uh, added to a, uh, the offensive line group. Um, that, listen, you can't teach that size. I'm not going to believe that at all. Uh, yeah, but what, what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on that pickup? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that um, you know I haven't watched him play a lot, I haven't watched a lot of tape, but it, it definitely is one of those things that I think that. Sometimes it's always funny to see when we flex, when we want somebody, because I don't think a lot of us had heard of him. I don't think a lot of us were keeping up with him. I don't think a lot of Georgia fans even thought we were in the running for him. I saw a lot of different articles that, you know, he's a Wisconsin lean. He's a Michigan lock. He's all these things. It's like you get him on campus one time. And he's like, you know what? We're, we're here. We're in Athens. We're, we're a dog. Yeah, you know, I, I just think it's funny. There's always a recruiter too every every year that it's like, oh, they're going here, they're going here, they're going here. They visit Athens. It's like, you know what? Just kidding. Athens is gonna be home. It's where I'm gonna play. All those things. So, um, I think it's nice. Like you're saying, can't teach size. You can't teach being six eight. You just no matter what. And so even if you know you're not the optimal player yet. You know, you got five years here to turn into a to a stud. So I guess that's the that's the it's a low risk, high reward take for the university. I, mean, I look at um who's it, Jacob Hood that went to Nebraska. Yep. Six eight, three fifty coming out of high school. He you know, he only stays a year. I understand. I mean, the guy's huge. He's gonna be able to play at Nebraska, some meaningful snaps. But eventually he would have played here, some meaningful snaps. So That'll all just depend on, um, you know, how long he's willing to wait, how long he's willing to be developed. You know, there's still a lot of really good talent in front of him, even at, when he comes in as a freshman. So it's a good pickup, though. Always love having big bodies. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, my thought is Stacy Searles had to see something to, that he liked enough to go ahead and give him a green light, right? Like, that to me, there's something you have to start to trust in these coaches. Like if they give them a green light, there's something there that they saw, right? Like what is it? You know, that's for us to do, you know, break down and stuff like that and try to find, right? Decipher why we think they may have given the green light, but apparently it was enough to let give, you know give him the green light and he jumped on board, right? Like maybe it's a six eight three thirty. Don't know. Haven't really done the done the uh, necessary digging to really break it down enough, but. Yeah, at the same time, that's another commitment to the on the board on an offensive line class. And I feel like in the 24 cycle, Kobe, you got to hit all of your shots here um, with what you're about to lose. These these offensive line commitments are to me going to be under a microscope because of the the necessity for these guys to come in and produce. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Two classes, 24, 25, I, I think, because really what you're talking about is. 
after this year, you're going to lose four of your starting five offensive linemen. I think you very easily could lose, you know, Tate, Truss, Cedric, and Mims. Boom, 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 boom. I'll be surprised. Yep. I think that, I think that will happen. If you don't, I guess at this point. So they're not losing. You know, a room of like it depends if Ernest Green or Austin Blask start. I guess left tackle this year. So you get one, if not both of them, most likely back this next year to play your two tackles. You still, I mean, you still got Fairchild as well. They could play center for you. Um, and then there's Michael Morris. I think that played some guard, some second. Michael Morris. Michael Morris is ridiculous. Yeah. So yes. I mean, you're still you still have probably another year's worth of depth another year, maybe two worth of depth that's been, um, you know, recruited. But I'm with you. In the next two years, you got to hit some – you have some big hits. And it'd be nice. Um, I think it's Daniel Calhoun, who's the tackle. Um, yeah, Daniel Calhoun, I feel like, is the most this class. I think he's one. I mean, and then I know you're really in it for the number one player in the country next year that's the offensive tackle from North Carolina. David Sanders. Yeah, I'll pay out of Providence Day. Uh, speaking of Providence Day – uh Chris Peel, did you hear about this? Chris Peel uh won a state title uh up here in North Carolina in the hundred meter. You wanna hear you wanna hear this? 10-4-8 into headwind. For for those that don't know track, that is stupid. Like I'm just gonna keep it simple to you. That's stupid fast. Especially running into wind, by the way. So a, a sub 10-5 that, that is moving absolutely moving. I think Chris is like six feet tall too. So that, that's booking it. Thought that was a little fun fact, by the way. That is, that's fun fact. Um, but, uh, you know, where's the Pat facts? I don't, I mean, we ain't saw a Pat fact in ages. Pat's been a while. Kobe. Pat's been kind of sleeping on us lately. And you, you, Pat, you're Pat right, is. Pat. You haven't been bringing the energy into the shows like I've been looking for. Is this, are you, is this, Maybe uh, just in here. Maybe Pat's only excited when Reed's is here. Pat gets, Pat gets the barking, apparently, you know. But no, you know, so you look at like we talk about the offensive line class, right? Like Daniel Calhoun, I think is I feel like a must have here. Casey I'm, is the other one, obviously. Well, you know, I, yes and no. I'm kind of I'm kind of curious to see how he plays out. Like, not saying must have, but I'm saying like he's the other big. Name. He's a nice he's a nice target to have. Absolutely. He's the other big I, I, I think I would like to flip uh, Cam Pringle uh, out of South, from South Carolina. I'd love to see that happen if possible. Not saying it will happen, but I'd love to see it because Cam Pringle's a legit guy. Like I don't care what anyone says. Like that's a that's a bona fide. We were, I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day actually, and we were looking that both the tackles from South Carolina are both top five that are committed to South Carolina or from South Carolina. And we were talking about just how embarrassing is that if you're Clemson that you know two of the top players in your state are both going to South Carolina at this point. Well, the problem is Clemson has also had an issue with offensive line play. Uh, it's what they call. It's been what they call what mid. I'm so. just saying though. I mean, you're the you're the team. You're the team with the trophies. You're the team with the rings. You're the team with all these things to to brag and talk about. And basically, you're getting bullied by South Carolina. I mean, you know, it's it's locker season. Uh, bully ball time. People getting stuffed into lockers. Uh, listen, Riddell, uh, stuff some Tennessee folks up in the in the locker there. Neither here nor there, though. Just going to let you all keep that and sleep on it. But, um, you know, at the same time, right, we just talked about these commitments, right? Georgia solidifying themselves as the number one class for now, right? I think there's still some moves to be made on Georgia's part, right, to maybe try to take a, sw a swing at the, the all-time record if you look at rankings like that. Um, but at the same time, right, like we talk about the scavenger hunt, the impact there. Keep in mind, folks, the first weekend of June is about to be ridiculous. Uh, June official visits seem to be fast, furious, and, and loaded with talent every week. Um, you know, I'm looking I – mean, you got Dylan Raiola taking his OV uh, June 2nd as well. And I think there's like five – I think there's like five five stars uh, slated to take their official visits as well. I think Ellis Robinson uh, changed his official visit. Uh, to June 2nd, you've got, uh, I think Gibson, the Texas running back, Jarrett Gibson. I think he is, uh, coming the second is like, I'm looking forward to this, the first weekend of June. I feel like this is about to be some insanity. 
Uh, what are your thoughts? Now we're going to talk about this more uh, as as we get closer. But I'm definitely keeping my ears and my eyes peeled because uh, there's some potential to make some huge waves there. Uh, what are your thoughts on that first or the the June official visits coming up? Wait a minute. What's this? Is this breaking news? I don't even know. No, no it's, it's not. not. Okay. I was pulling up two four seven on my other on my other page. Oh. I can look. I was wanting to look. I can't remember what the kid's name is from um Darty for some reason. Shame on me for that. What is it? The running back from Darty. He's committed uh Florida State right now. Bowens, Chauncey Bowens. Is that his name? Yeah. Uh oh. Don motherfucking Juan has made his made his presence. Traveling through beautiful Arizona. Only thing that makes me sick. It's next to the trash state. <clears throat> Couldn't have put that any better. Couldn't have put Cameron, it any better. Cameron Davis. Oh, okay. Sorry. Cameron yeah. Davis. Okay. Now I knew they had Bowens as well, running back. Florida. No, Florida. I was talking about Florida State. Oh, oh. Well, you okay. just were talking about Jared Gibson. And so I was looking at, like, right now we have Dwight Phillips, Jr. I think it's really yep. one of those classes you could take a second running back in again. Because, I mean, you you definitely are risking, um, you know, losing Kendall Milton, possibly losing Dejan, depending on how it kind of goes. Or you could even see, I think, some, some portal talk out of, you know, you got some guys in that room that, that – have waited and may have to continue to wait depending on what um, happens. So I always like to take two running backs if we can. I think, I think George is going to take three running backs this cycle or at least push for it. I mean, cause you got to keep Dwight Phillips, Dwight Phillips, that dude is ridiculously fast. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got Jared Gibson, you're in this top five. I don't feel confident. I feel like he's a Texas guy, but that's just me. Uh, I mean, you look at uh, Nate Frazier, I think it's the name that you might want to keep an eye out for. Uh, Kevin Riley out of uh, Tuscaloosa city. Not saying we'll land him, but I mean that's that's right in Bama's backyard. It'd be fun to watch Georgia land somebody from Tuscaloosa. It would be wild to see. Uh, and then, like I said, Bowens, man, if you could flip him from Florida, I think Bowens is a good uh, running back in this class too. Uh, there's actually some good running backs in this class. It's not loaded like you saw last year, in my opinion, but still, I mean, Georgia's going to push for three. I would assume, considering like you said, all the losses that you're about to see. Uh, Cam is good. But like saying, Cam is like good. you're saying, with it being a good class, there's 25 running backs inside the top 300. Yeah, that's, that's insane. That's that's moving. Yeah, uh, it is confirmed by the good himself that Cam is good. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I don't necessarily want to look at the portal unless we absolutely have to. So, like, if we take if we only get two running backs, then you might look at the portal for sure. Um, you know, but at the same time, Cash Jones could come in and, and be RB1, you know. Don't sleep on Cash, all right? But, yeah, no, I mean, dude, June, like, kind of get back to it. June is ridiculous. And it seems to it seems to be that way, uh, you know, yearly now, right? Every, every June is always wild because June and July, like, especially July, you start to see recruiting pick up again, right? Like, you see a lot of – uh, commitments and stuff, a flurry of them, not just for Georgia, but across the country, right? Like across the country, you see a bunch of uh, pops, right? Commits popping. And well, stuff. for most of you listening, I mean, and watching, you kind of understand that now with the early signing day being in December, that a lot of these recruits, these top recruits, they've been recruited by for years since eighth, maybe ninth grade. You know, if, you, if you're a top 30 recruit, you haven't just recently become a top 30 recruit. Normally, sometimes it's true. You know, you climb the rankings late in your career, you hit a growth spurt, you get stronger, whatever. But most of these guys have been getting serious college attention since 13, 14 years old. Well, a lot of them are probably now with the early signing day going to early enroll in January. So the last semester of their high school career is going to be the fall while they're playing football. Many of them are wanting to have this the the uncertainty of where home is going to be resolved by the end of July. And that way in, in the fall, if they want to take a trip or two to where they are going to be, you know, for college, they can, but it's not necessarily like, Oh, well this weekend I'm going to Oregon next weekend. I'm going to USC the next weekend. I'm going to Georgia. 
but also I'm trying to play, you know, a home football game on Friday night. Um, you know, that, that just gets to be a little old at some point for these guys that have, that have gotten that, that love and, um, stuff. So I think that's why you like to see, like Sammy Brown even said next six, seven weeks, he's going to be done. He's going to take his five officials, take a week or two to kind of, you know, contemplate his decision. And then by the time July rolls around, he's going to commit and that'll be it. And I, I think that that's, that's what you see out of these top, the top tier recruits that are getting off. They've had these offers for a long time. Yeah. You talk, I mean, you talk to, you talk to recruits like that, man. And it's just like, I'm glad it's over. You know what I mean? Like, I can only imagine, right? Like, the fact that you get your phone blown up for so long by so many different people at all times a day. Like, coaches coming to your high school, doing all this, doing all that, you going to visit schools, all the, like all the stuff that goes into a recruitment process. Like, I would be glad to. So, get it out of the way earlier so you don't have to worry about it makes sense to me and then also you can focus on school you can focus on your senior year right like you can focus on your high school football team at that point for the you know what i mean so yeah i mean it makes sense that you start to see these guys earlier and earlier right like how many like georgia georgia fans for some reason man like we 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 stress right like georgia at times can fall to like third or fourth and we're like what are we doing what's going on it's the end of the world you've already got most of your class like committed you, you close on several guys you finish the class up and then like recently if you notice like i think we only had like three or four that didn't enroll early i think like almost 20 of the guys are enrolled early last uh last class that matters because then especially if you're in a bowl practice like bowl practices that matters if you're coming in and you're getting ahead of the curve you know what i mean so i, I think you're starting to see a lot of schools push for it as well, you know. Uh, I feel like it's becoming the new standard. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, especially these guys, um, these top recruits that are like, you know, I want to only be there three years and declare as a junior. But also, I mean, you know, different NIL deals, different things like that that I don't always agree with. They definitely push coming on and getting paid. Um but then, honestly, if you're going to have a chance to play as a freshman, like, you have got to be here normally in in the spring. You have got to go through winter workouts, you know, spring runs, spring practice, spring game, summer workouts, summer runs, fall camp. You've got to, to get all that to these elite schools because, like, Georgia – you know, that, that's quite a playbook. That's a playbook unlike anything you've ever seen in high school. And and not only are you going to have to understand it, you're going to have to perform on the field in front of other starters, other guys that have been here two, three years. You know, you, you definitely could use that extra six months of preparation time because, you know, mm -hmm. if you get here in June, you've probably never been away from mama. You're in class every day. You know, probably, I mean, obviously used to that in high school, but like a, co a college class every day. You have workouts, you have tutoring, you have mentoring, you have meals you can't miss. You have all these things that is just basically thrown at you. And on top of that, you're having meetings about the playbook. You're having meetings about your position. You're having, you know, you're learning different things about your position. Like if you're a linebacker, you're probably learning like different coverages that the DBs run because you're having to communicate and know what you're doing off of those. And all that time, you're just very overwhelmed at that point. And so, you know, it, it tends not to work out as well for those student athletes. Absolutely. So J-O-double-G asks, which recruit are you each most excited about? Kobe, do you want to take that first or do you want me to do it? You take it first. I'm, I'm working on something. Okay. Uh, I mean, to me, I, I think the easy answer is Dylan Rayola. Um, just, you know, bringing a five-star quarterback in, uh, you know, number one guy in the country, right? I think that matters. Uh, I, I'm The reason why I'm excited is to see the evolution of the offense and, and from a recruiting standpoint, right? What does that mean moving forward? Because uh, I think if you look at what it could mean, you know, if, if Dylan Rayola comes in and has success and you see him – you know, doing very well under, you know, under a bubble offense, 
I'm just saying that could translate to future quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks, looking at Georgia and say, I can go there, I can get developed, I can get drafted extremely high, and I can win titles. So for me, I, you know, Dylan Raiola, but to to make it interesting, give give me Ellis Robinson. I think that kid is a freak, um, absolute freak. And I can't wait to see him uh, holding down the secondary spot. Uh, Bishop Don saying that wants uh, him. That's what Malachi did. Yeah, Mal- I mean Malachi Starks is a perfect example. Kobe, well, who do you got? Who is who? Are you, who are you most excited about? Excuse me. Um, that's currently committed, or that I think will commit. Let's let's just stick to current commits. Yeah, I think I think the easy the easy answer is Rayola. I mean, it, it's one of those things that um, you know, he he's a quarterback commit unlike anything since Justin Fields, and then even before that, you know, if he ends up playing since Matthew Stafford, you know, you've kind of been in this lull of well, we see what this offense can do with Stetson Bennett, a walk on at the helm. You're going to get kind of a taste this year with Carson Beck of this is what a guy that has, you know, all the measurables can do in this offense. And then eventually, you know, in a year or two, you're going to have Dylan where, okay, this is the offense. This is, you know, um, this is different things that he's able to look at. Um, You know, I think Riddell is going to be a good player too. Always excited to get a big body. It's one of those things that Brock Bowers wasn't the number one tight end in his class. You know, Darnell wasn't number one tight end in his class. There's um, some different things like that that are that are just interesting when you go and get a guy like Riddell, who's number three or number four. Like what Todd Hartley kind of sees in him. Yep, I think you look at um, Puglisi. You know, considering he stays, I think that's another intriguing prospect that could could do some good things here too. Um, Boy, Juan is going off in the chat. I'm not going to say what it is. This is why sometimes you need to watch the YouTube videos. Just going to leave that there. That's interesting to hear, though. It really is interesting if that's true. Oof. I'm not – I mean, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that's wild to think about it, though. I think – I think – I think um, to who you're talking about, Juan, get him in the Bobo system, I think he'll be just fine when you get the talent around him. I am curious to see, though – uh, how the how the senior season plays out though. Uh, let's see. I think I think there's another one. I was trying to remember who it was. Um, oh my word! Who is it? Uh, Demello. Sorry, Demello. Demello Jones. I think will be interesting too. I'm curious to see how he comes in. I know it's kind of a name that you're not necessarily thinking about like that, but like coming in as a cornerback, I think you're going to have to see you know, several cornerbacks step up, step up. And I think DeMello could be one of those guys. I know you've got a bunch of safeties uh, that could convert, but I think DeMello is just an interesting name too. I mean, I don't want to leave out uh, Dwight Phillips either. I think Dwight Phillips could bring that speed back to the running back room that we missed out on. But yeah, I think, you know, looking at that right there, I think it'll be pretty interesting to see. You know, listen, I think there's, Georgia's not done by any means, right, on the recruiting trail. Um, I'm just going to let you know that right now. <laughs> uh, there's, it could be some big names pop off at any time. You don't know. Kirby Smart, which asks me, makes me pose a question. Kobe, you played under Kirby Smart. Is Kirby Smart a momentum recruiter? Yes or no? Oh, I think that uh, the answer is very easily yes. I would say recruiting in itself is a momentum thing. You know, you, you get you start landing some big guys and dominoes fall no matter what school you are. Um, you know, I think it I think kind of depends. We were talking about this the other day as well. You know, the only school I think that it doesn't seem to be that way for is kind of Alabama. Like, you know, kind of the way we I see our guys do it, and it just could be because I don't pay attention as much over there. But, like, when I see, like, Georgia get a commit or, like, Ohio State, guys like that, it seems like they have some guys that are outwardly recruiting more recruits. And, and, you know, when I look at 
Rayola, how he's kind of taken the helm and gone, we want to get this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. You know, I look at like um, Say in Alabama, he's committed and he's kind of like, I'm committed and we're going to take whoever Nick Saban brings in and that's who we're going to play with. And I kind of feel like, you know, Nick opens the, opens the rings, sits them down, explains the process to them, and then he lets them decide either yes or no. It's not really as much of like, well, we got this guy, this guy, and this guy committed. Wouldn't you like to play with them? It's more like, wouldn't you like to play at the University of Alabama? And yeah, I feel like I feel like Georgia's slowly trying to do that too. I mean, I mean, no doubt. But this. I'm just saying, we definitely still like you're saying, we we get hot and we go on a streak where we get five commits, and it's really exciting, which I think is great. I think that that builds excitement about a class. Yeah, because I mean, my thing is like you look at like you look at Georgia trying to establish themselves as the standard now, right? Like they're working on it. Once you get yourself to that point, you know, like most of the recruiting is done by your brand. Like not saying all of it, right? Because I mean, it's in the world of NIL, like things like brand don't always matter as much, right? Like it it helps with money being brought in, but it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, everything. So, you know, it does help to have that momentum, right? Like, especially with, you know, especially with recent news, right? I mean, like uh, Marcus Roseby news, you know, that negative impact and, and the fact that it's continuing to happen is, is just, is really a test, like just bad news, bad publicity, if you will. But then to get three popped off, it kind of, as a fan, it makes you overlook it temporarily. You know what I mean? So yeah, it makes sense that you see that, but at the end of the day, like the, the bad stuff, uh, listen, it's, it's another, it's another speeding incident after we saw what happened in January that just can't, can't happen. It can't continue to happen, but it is. It's just one of these things where like, you just want to tell these people, listen, like, did you not learn anything? You know, I mean, you, you trust Kirby smart to handle it the right way and applicably, you know, how it needs to be handled. But damn, you know, I mean, if it wasn't for the, if it wasn't for these commits, like, you start to hear a bunch of bad shit about Georgia, and you're going to hear that regardless. People are going to try to dig up dirt on Georgia all the time. Right? But when, uh, from a Georgia's fan perspective, you have that situation where look at all these commits we've got. Like it helps us put the bad shit behind us and keep talking about the you know the current the you know the current state, the present, or the future, all this stuff. I think I think momentum is necessary. Momentum recruiting is necessary, and Kobe knows when to do that shit. So I'm, I think there's going to be some more commits too. I just don't know when. I mean, hell, I don't. You never know. There might pop one off. Um, there might one pop today. You never really know, right? I mean, three in three days, wouldn't be surprised at this point. Uh, Kobe, did you know? Did you know, Kobe? Did you know? Did everyone watching know that as of May 25th, there are exactly. 100 days left until Georgia football. Did you know that? I did know that, that because I follow the DGD podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, my word. Oh, my. Also, Georgia football account posted it, but shh, neither here nor there. But now the Classic City Countdown has officially begun. Um, the hashtag Classic City Countdown, by the way. Get that shit popping on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, but yeah, 100 days left. Remember, it is sponsored by Apotheos, right? So I'll bring up the details for anyone that has not heard it yet. Uh, the Classic City Countdown consists of basically starting tomorrow, starting tomorrow through game day, September 2nd, Spike Squad, the UGA Spike Squad, their social media accounts, along with the DGD podcast social media accounts, will be posting countdown graphics. What that means is, on every day that the DGD podcast uh, posts a graphic, right, for the countdown, Apotheos, Apotheos Coffee, uh, you will get 5% off of your order, entire order, uh, and they will also, 20% uh, of proceeds will go to the Classic City Collective, uh, collective excuse me, using our link on our website. Go to dgdpodcast.com forward slash Apotheos, and, and on days that, uh, that we, the DGD podcast posts, 5% off your order using code COUNTDOWN. That's code COUNTDOWN. But 
when days that the UGA spike squad posts their countdown graphic, Apotheos will do the same thing, but that percentage will jump from five to 30. And that code is DGD. So use code DGD on days that the spike squad posts their countdown graphics to get 30% off and the 20% of proceeds will go to the collective. Also, there will be a link that you can use on our website, dgdpodcast.com forward slash spike squad, or check, watch for the spike squad. Use their link that they will be posting a link to alumni hall. So you shop alumni hall throughout this countdown. And what you're doing is actually supporting the spike squad because the DGD podcast will take proceeds from their sales and send that money, send, send money to them directly. So that way they can help with equipment, travel, things like that. So we're doing our part to help out the spike squad because they're doing their part and they support the DGD podcast. So we just want to make sure that everyone's taken care of. So that is the uh, Apotheos Classic City Countdown. Listen, this Genesis blend right here, folks, delicious. Absolutely delicious. Kobe, you've had the K-Cups before. They've also got K-Cups, by the way. What are your thoughts on the K-Cups? They're good. They're quality. Good, good stuff. See? Good stuff. Uh, now, listen, if you haven't had Apotheos coffee, then I promise you, um, just, just, just talk to Tate Rattledge. Just, I, I ain't even going to have to be in the testimonial. Talk to Tate Rattledge. Rylan Goaty, by the way, too. Uh, also, the show is brought to you by our friends over at Alumni Hall. Uh, DGDpodcast.com forward slash Alumni Hall. Located in Athens, GA, 10 minutes away from Sanford Stadium. Licensed Nike, Cutter & Buck, 47 brand, Yetis, all these accessories, all this apparel. All licensed, by the way. Check them out right there. Use code DG or mention the show, Podcast in store to get 10% off your order, by the way. Kobe, we've had a, a decent show today, I would say. I feel like we could be elite. Uh, I'd just say we, we could be elite because Juan Daniels was not showing his face today. Well, I got I got an elite thing that's been getting me lately. Ooh, what you got? So, so the thing, the offseason, a lot of talk from Georgia fans for just being Clemson 2.0. Um, you've only won two natties. You've only beaten Bama once. Kind of the same spiel that Clemson kind of gave where they won two and – five years or whatever it was. So, so we'll go recruiting rankings for Clemson since they won their, won their second natty. And then we'll do Georgia's over the same period of time. Clemson was 12th in 2019, the year right after they won with Trevor. Then third, which is great, in 2020. That was Brian Brise and all those guys. Then they went to fifth. And then 14th this past year, or two years ago, 15th, the class they just signed, and are currently 21st next year. In that same amount of time since Clemson won in 2019, we have finished second, first, third, third again, second in this past class, and are currently first in next class, and actually, just for fun fact, currently first in the next class as well. Jesus Christ. Tell me where, yeah, I'll tell tell me where that is, Clemson 2.0. I'll tell you this. You can get away with that, with those with those rankings in the ACC or any other conference. You can't do that in the SEC. Sorry. I mean, how many times have we saw a top 15 program? Think about this Florida, right? Under Dan Mullen would land in the top 15, right? They had maybe 14, 15 range. And they would be in the literal middle of the pack in the SEC conference rankings. Like to me, that just shows you like re recruiting. Like if you're in the SEC for the most part and you want to compete for a title, you have to be top five at minimum. Right? Because you think about it, Bama and Georgia, and sometimes LSU as well have been in the top five. They're the only ones close to competing for a title. Tennessee close, but I need to see more consistency to really put them into that group. Um, yeah, I think Tennessee will be just fine at, with with recruiting, but you got to get into the top five, at least from an SEC perspective. So, yeah, I, I love that you brought that up. <sighs> which which fan base is calling us Clemson two point oh? Oh, just everybody, mostly Alabama. 
Uh, fair but, enough. Hey, listen, until you win the third one, whatever. I'm, I'm yeah. just saying right now. But all I'm saying people... is you don't want to see either of us or Juan or probably anybody in this chat if you win three in a row. I think people might just want to stay fuck off Twitter and Instagram and shit because it's going to be unruly. Oh, like, forever. It'll be the best three years of college football ever, forever. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, I, well, didn't they say like Minnesota did that stuff back in like the 30s or something like that? Is that I, even? I, listened, like, I think that was when Mom was a I freshman. Listened, or I listened to a Twitter space the other day. It's just hard to, um, it's hard to to listen to any national title that has been um, that has been claimed before um, when schools were still segregated, basically. I mean, listen. The night. I mean, we have to count the forty-two titles in one of those situations too. Um, and hey, I will. I'm. I'm telling you, I'll count it. I will gladly say that. You know, pre pre nineteen seventy, give or take. I don't want to hear it. Really, how good? I mean, you still. I mean, the fun part is you still got three. So, we'll we'll be sitting. You know, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I, I know we're going to talk more about. The schedule and everything. Listen, like I said, we're 100 days until Georgia football, folks. Keep that in mind. I'm waiting to – honestly, I'm waiting to see, uh, Kobe. There were some uh, announcements for game times kicking off. Uh, some, uh, some SEC programs were showing off their kickoff times. I want to say, was it the Egg Bowl is uh, Black Friday, uh, like a 3.30 slot or something like that, I think. Don't quote me 100%, but a Black Friday game. I don't know how to feel about Black Friday games. A lot of people, a lot of people were shopping at that point, right? Getting ready for Christmas time and, and want to close the cup. Is that accurate? I just try to avoid it. I'm I'm ready. I don't know the the thing I saw with the whole Friday thing, which the Egg Bowl is probably staying put. But did you see the Penn State Michigan State game got moved to Ford Field? I don't know how to feel about that. I, I can I tell like you how it. I feel about that. I don't like it. That I tell you. There you go. You know, flat out. Especially because uh, why, why would they do it though? I mean, what's the logic? What were they trying to prove their, the logic? It's part of their TV deal with um, Fox, I believe, that they like reflect uh, the game to be Friday at Ford Field. The problem is, is I think it's like it was supposed to be Michigan State's maybe like last home game, so it's literally should have been Senior Day against Penn State, and instead you're going to play at Ford Field two hours away, and then like everybody was saying. Odds are that it's going to have like the Lions logo at center field. Like it's not. It's just going to be ugly, basically. Basically, it's going to be a shit show. Well, I mean, you could make it not be. You could if you made it look like Michigan State Stadium, whatever. Um, I think that'd be fine. But you basically take away a premier game from Sparty to have on Senior Day and make. Mel Tucker needed all the momentum to keep these guys keep his job up there, man, and, and that's not helping. That's not helping. Not at all. Also, also, uh, since we did our last show, uh, to be held in Jacksonville until the 25th, it's extended through the 25th season. So no chance of movement there until they do the renovations. What do you think about that? Um, I think that. I think it'll be one of those things that it'll either appease everyone or it'll make everybody just more more um, adamant about moving it. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, man, I know you, we were talking a lot of recruiting here. Dude, I went to Grimsley. Uh, you went to Grimsley this week? Dude, I'm telling you all right now, If listen, if you know me, y'all know who I'm talking about. But if you don't know and this is your first time watching or first time listening – do yourself a favor and go check out Bryce Davis. This kid is a freaking animal, man. Listed on three list him at 6'4", 230. When I saw him, he looked like 6'4", 240, like a legit 6'4", 240. I put a little bit of weight on for the spring. But just some of the things he's able to do as a, as a rising junior in the 25 class is going to be – it's insane, folks. Um, wrote up an article about that on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash DGD podcast. Uh, go check that out if you'd like. Uh, also, I think that's it, Toby. Enough of my talk. Remember, folks, 
Let's roll. See you Monday. Get you some coffee, folks. DGDpodcast.com forward slash Apotheos. Go get you some coffee. Right? Go get you some coffee because it's some good shit. I promise you that. With that being said, hopefully Monday, Juan will be off the road like Willie Nelson. Uh, finally off the road, maybe. And could get back in to the f- confines of the DGD podcast. Are we, studio. I have a question real quick. And this is for every, we can hear it for everybody. I would say this off camera. Um, Monday's a, a holiday. Are we? Is it bad that I forgot going, about that? Are we going to push it to Tuesday? Because uh, I don't know. Let's make it. Let's make a decision. Drop, drop your uh, comments. Let us know what you think. We'll stay on for a minute. Co-host, no- co-host would say Tuesday here since it's a holiday and I won't have to be at work. But you'll be in the confines of D Block, though, right? No, new house. So I, I'm I We'll talk. We'll discuss. We'll see. The, I thought I thought it'd be interesting, but. We'll, we'll we'll discuss more. So stay tuned to that. Keep uh, keep up to date on the social media accounts. We'll let you know. Um, so keep that in mind for those listening as well. You may have a delay uh, by a day, right, due to the holiday potentially. So just keep that on your radar. Uh, Kobe, other than that, I think we're good to go, man. Uh, recruiting back like we never left. Simple as that. Man, what a man! What a what a time to be a dog! What a time to be a dog fan! With that being said, folks, have a great day. Enjoy your weekend, long weekend. Happy Memorial Day in advance. And go dogs. Go dogs.